about. He has the email, so uh, it's a, it's just a regular uh, conversation chat. And uh, yeah, so here's Chad. Okay, awesome. Hi, Ryan. Hey, Chad. How are you doing? Pretty good. So, so you guys got a lot of uh, people uh, tuning into this podcast. Yeah, I'd say so. I have uh, basically almost fifteen hundred people a month downloading it at least for now. The numbers have gone up since I started. Wow. Maybe four years ago, three years ago now. Twenty seventeen, okay. four years ago. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I just started up a podcast. I don't have too many viewers yet, but hopefully at some point more people can uh, tune in to that. Yeah. What was what was the route that you went to advertise it? I use Facebook as the most engaging. I find people on mm -hmm. Facebook more than Twitter and Instagram. I find really uh, really pick up on on uh, Facebook. Yeah, I just started up a, a VK account. And have you ever heard of VK? No. It's like the Russian uh, Facebook, but they do it. It's more popular in Europe. Okay. But I I, I mean I have a ton of different. Uh, I just set up a lot of different social media accounts. So I got a Twitter now, Instagram. I set up a VK. I got the Facebook. Um, yeah, yeah, it's good to have everything. Like, get as many socials as you can get on, right? And your book's on Tumblr, too, right? Well, we can talk about that on the podcast if you want. Okay. We'll save it for that. All right, cool. Okay, so let's start it up here. All right, I'm welcoming Ryan to the No Baser Somebody's podcast for this week. Ryan, how are you doing? Doing great. How are you doing, Chad? I'm doing pretty good. I'm glad to talk to you. You, uh, from what I can tell from Maurice and from uh, your notes, you have a lot of projects, a lot of uh, hobbies and interests going on, so we can start wherever you want. Uh, do you want to start talking about your book uh, that's on Tumblr and how people can find it and what it's about? Yeah, go to quadrantmodelofreality.tumblr.com. Q-U-A-D-R-A-N-T-M-O-D-E-L-O-F. R E A L I T Y Quadramala Reality uh, dot Tumblr dot com, and basically this theory is is called the Quadra Model, and the premise is that existence is expressed through what I call the quadrant pattern, and it's very metaphysical, extremely mystical theory. Um, this is it's, it's very different than anybody's ever really encountered, especially, I mean, because it, it's different from any naturalistic theories, that is scientific naturalistic theories, rationalistic theories, because, and, and, and also, but at the same time, it also kind of uh, deviates from religious fundamentalist theories, and it's, I would say it's, it's more mystical, but it, at the same time, it's not so mystical to where it's inaccessible. And it, it can only be understood through, you know, vague language and, and, uh, concepts that, that are, that are, uh, that, that are incomprehensible to people. It's actually very logical, very systematic. And it, it basically shows, it, I'm thinking of Occam's razor right now. You know, Occam's razor says that the most simple theory is probably the correct theory. And, and this is a very simple theory, very logical theory. And it's, it's uh, proposing that existence has one dominant pattern through which it reveals itself. 
and that is this quadrant pattern. And when I say the quadrant pattern, what, what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying is a quadrant is two perpendicular lines. If you get two perpendicular lines, you get a quadrant. Think of it's it's a cross. Right. So so think of the Greek cross. But even a, even a Greek cross is, is with two perpendicular lines, but they're both equal in length. Well, the Latin cross is two perpendicular lines, but one of the lines is longer than the others. Both of them are quadrants. Um, and what it is 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 it's uh it's demonstrating or it's 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 showing a fourfold structure. Because if you have two perpendicular lines, you're going to get four squares. You're going to have four quadrants. Just remember, remember, remember when you're in math class and we learned about the Cartesian coordinate system. That was the, that was discovered by Descartes. And, uh, and and fascinatingly, Descartes is supposed to be the, be the founder of rationalist, uh, like mathematical, uh, scientific understanding. Yet he he claims that he got these ideas through through kind of supernatural epiphanies. Like some of his ideas he claimed he got from angels or, or I think the Cartesian coordinate system he got when he was looking at the, at the ceiling and he saw a fly on the ceiling. He was very sick. He was, he was kind of a sickly guy and he saw a fly on the ceiling and he just somehow, he just imagined this fly within a coordinate, a coordinate grid, a quadrant grid. And that was his revelation to, to, to understand the, the, the Cartesian coordinate system. And that's what it's kind of a foundation of, of out. We use it in algebra. We use it in calculus. We use it. Uh, in geometry, everywhere in mathematics, we're, we're using this Cartesian coordinate system. But you have two perpendicular lines. This is this is going to make four quadrants. And what the quadrant pattern describes is that existence is expressed through what I call a three plus one pattern. But it's actually more sophisticated than that too, because each quadrant has certain qualities, has characteristics. So. Am, am I am I going on too long right now? Do you want to do you want to put any input in yet, Chad? Well, no, no, this is good. I mean, for people like me, I have no idea about any of this. I want to, I do want to ask you basically because for people out there who know what you're what you're talking about, and for people who have interest in what you're talking about as well too, this is all very important. I don't want to interrupt that, but I do want to know also, I guess, is how you came, I guess, to get involved or what got you passionate about uh, learning more about this, and then taking the next step and writing a book about it to, to know enough about it. And then to get a book out there about it, and are there other books like it out there? Do you have a lot of competition? Um, I don't think that there's there's nothing like it um, right now. I know that there's people. A lot of people have have grabbed onto the concept now, um, or kind of latched onto it, and, and they they recognize that this pattern as well. People people uh, more recently, like 2016, 2017, you're seeing a lot more people uh, describe this pattern. Uh, recognizing the fourfold pattern, but I was the first person to really put it out there, and I was the first person to really describe it in detail and and really thresh out this theory. And then other people came around, and they and and now people are starting to say, oh yeah, we recognize this too, and they're they're adding in their their input and their ideas in regards to it. But um, but yeah, so what the way that I discovered it was it was in I think it was two thousand nine. I was a sophomore in college and I was at UC San Diego at that time I hadn't yet decided to major I ended up majoring in psychology I got a bachelor's degree in psychology uh, graduated in 2012 but at this point 2009 
or actually, yeah, I graduated in 2012. But 2009, I was a sophomore in college, and I was uh, just, you know, I was, I, was, I was talking to my grandpa on the phone one day, and my grandpa told me about this personality model where there are four types of people. And to this day, I don't know what model he was talking about, but I'm really glad he told me about this because it wasn't the Myers-Briggs, it wasn't the DISC model. It was a model where he said that there were four types of people. And he said the first type was thinking-oriented people. The second type was emotional, emotionally-oriented people. The third type was doing-oriented people. So thinking thinkers, emoters, and doers, or thinkers, feelers, and doers. And then, and then the fourth type was dreamers, dreaming-oriented people. And then, and he told me that he thought that I was a dreamer. And then when he told me this, I, I was, I was, I was trying to think. I was thinking about this model. I was contemplating it, and I was thinking. Why not just have three types of people? Because and I didn't like the idea of the dreamer because it, it just didn't seem it seems a lot different than the other three. And I thought it would be be more, a, a more simple um, model. And in, 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 in the fourth part is just unnecessary. I thought that the it would, be, it would be better if it was just thinking people, emotional people, doers. So I was trying to want I was wondering why is there four types? And and I always like the number three better than the number four. So. I mean, I was just walking around like a week later, I was walking around my campus and I was just, just wondering why is there the four, you know, and I was thinking about all these examples of fours, but I was thinking about how there's so many things in threes as well. And I was just, I was just trying to reconcile these two numbers as I was walking around my campus. And then at the end of the day, I was, I went into my apartment, uh, on campus and, uh, I guess my dorm and I was laying in my bed. I just, uh, there, there's more stuff that happened that day, but I won't get into all that. But I was laying in the bed and then I was, uh, I was re uh, I was reading the Bible. This is the first time I ever read the new Testament. I, I mean, I just had started reading the new Testament. First time I'd ever really read it. I never go, growing up. I never went to, went to church. I never did anything religious. So, and, and this was a, only, only in college I started going to church and I was just because I was playing basketball at UC San Diego and I was with a lot of my teammates. A lot of them were Christians. So I would go to church with them. And, uh, and my grandpa, my grandpa was a, was a transpersonal psychologist and he, and he studied under, uh, Dr. Hora. I guess it, it, originally my grandpa was a minister, a Christian minister. He, he grew up on, in, on a farm in Ohio. Uh, and he had 12 brothers and sisters. Then, then, uh, he became a Christian minister for like 20 years. And then at the age of 40, though, he was in New York. I don't know why. And then he met Dr. Hora, who's the founder of metapsychiatry. Uh, metapsychiatry is kind of a spiritual form of psychology, uh, of, of psychoanalysis. And, uh, and then my grandpa got, uh, decided to get a, a PhD in psychology learning under him. Right, and he got his PhD in transpersonal psychology. So my grandpa in high school, my grandpa always lived in Kauai, but in high school, I, uh, I, for the first time I had a, a philosophical conversation with my grandpa, my grandpa would teach me about Jesus, but I didn't, I, you know, I didn't know too much about it, but he would teach me about some of what Jesus would say and, and ideas in transpersonal psychology and metapsychiatry. And, uh, you know, metapsychiatry is very built around, around, uh, the, the Bible. Uh, I guess Dr. Hora, what he did was he tried to, she tried to create a, a kind of a psych, a psychoanalysis that is built around Christianity, Buddhism, and Taoism, and all these spiritual teachings. So I was, I, but this is the first time I ever really read the New Testament. So I was, I was in my, in my dorm reading the New Testament, and 
then I was thinking about that that model where there's three types or four types, and I drew in the in the Bible a quadrant, and I thought I put the thinking people, emotional people, doing people, and dreaming people in the quadrant, and I thought, well, thinking and emotion that's a duality because our thoughts affect our emotions, emotions influence our thoughts, and I thought, okay, then emotions cause us to do things, so I thought this is like a trinity. And I was thinking about the Bible, the Trinity in the Bible. I was like, yeah, these are all like the same thing. They're all one, but they're different. And then, but then, I, but then I thought, okay, but why is there the dreaming one? And just earlier that week, I was in a psychology class. Um, again, I was at UCSD. I was taking the psychology class. I hadn't yet majored in it. Maybe I did start majoring it. I forget. But I was in a psychology class, and the teacher, the teacher was saying that, um, the teacher was saying that when we dream. She said this. She said, when we dream, we're disconnected from our body, like we're paralyzed. Our spines are paralyzed so that we don't act out the dream. But she was saying, you know, we still do things in the dream world, but we have to be paralyzed so we're not physically doing things. Otherwise, we'd be, you know, rolling around in our bed and jumping around, and that wouldn't be good. That happens in that sometimes happens in the third phase, in the third uh, the third stage of dreaming. Uh, there's, there's there's four stages of dreaming, and we'll get to that. We can talk about that later. But there's but it sometimes happens in sleepwalking. But that's kind of a uh, that's something that that you don't. It's kind of like a malfunction. You don't you don't want to be sleepwalking necessarily, but but so you know she was saying that you do things. So you have thoughts, you have emotions, you do things, but you're doing it in the dream world. So then I thought, okay, well the fourth includes the previous three, but it transcends them. Now I think the reason why I was able to make this this have this epiphany was because in I think it was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was my freshman year of college. I I had traveled. I had gone to gone to Kauai to visit my grandpa, and my grandpa gave me a book, or he he had books there, and one of his books was called The Theory of Everything by Ken Wilber. And in The Theory of Everything by Ken Wilber, he talks about a quadrant model, but it's different than this one. And this than that one, he talks about four types of consciousness. There's like a subjective interior. Objective interior, subjective exterior, and objective exterior, and he makes a quadrant out of that. But when when he would talk about things, he he talked a lot about holism. Ken Wilber talked about things in a, in in terms of holism, and what that means is that it's a holistic. Things are holistic in that things add, but incorporate things before them. So in a hierarchical model, you'll get a new aspect, a new level. But that level will have new characteristics, but it will also contain the characteristics from the previous level. And that's what it means by holism. Each level adds to, yet includes aspects of the previous levels. So when I thought about this, I thought, okay, well, dreaming adds to thinking, emotion, doing, and dreaming, or, or thinking, thinking, emotion, and doing, but it also transcends them. It transcends, but it includes. And, and then I started thinking, oh, wait, that this pattern is everywhere. Because that I just earlier that week I had listened to a a, psycho, a physics lecture on uh, on quantum mechanics. It was it was a whole lecture series on quantum mechanics. My other grandpa had given me a DVD series by the teaching company. He had bought me this because I I told him I was interested in in, in taking physics class. So I asked him, could you get me a you know maybe a, like a lecture series on this? So my my other grandpa um, who lived in Los Angeles he got me a teaching company course on quantum mechanics from the great courses. So I was, I just earlier that week, I'd been watching that. And the, the, the professor on that lecture series was talking about how there's four forces, the strong force, weak force, and electromagnetism. But he was saying that the fourth one, uh, 
or no, uh, strong force, weak force, electromagnetism, and gravity. But he was saying the fourth one, gravity, doesn't fit with the first three. Because he was saying that the first three, strong force, weak force, and electromagnetism, they can be understood through the mathematics and through the concepts of quantum mechanics. But he was saying that that, that gravity can only be understood with the, through the prism of general relativity. And the first three forces, he said, can be combined. And that's they're combined through grand unified theories. But he was saying that the fourth force, gravity, is recalcitrant. It can't be, it can't be fit with the first three. It, it, it's unique. It doesn't fit. It doesn't belong. So, so I thought, okay. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't. And, and the, the, the attempt to try to make gravity belong with the first three, that, that's called, that would be a theory of everything. You saw that movie by Stephen Hawking called The Theory of Everything. That came out like it came out in like 2016, but I'd already been talking about the theory of everything with quadrant model for for a few years before that. Right, way before, yeah. But but so so he, you know Stephen Hawking he's talking about the uh, theory of everything, which would be a theory of everything in physics, which would combine gravity with electromagnetism, strong force, and weak force. That's what the physicists call the theory of everything. So. So I, I, I thought about that. I thought, okay, that's another example of that, of this pattern. And then I started, and I just kept on thinking of more and more examples. And then, the, you know, the next day in my biology class, I go into my biology class at UCSD and the teacher is writing Punnett, Punnett squares on the, on the board, which are quadrants. And Punnett squares describe how genetics works, how through dihybrid crosses, um, you're going to get different uh, alleles and different genotypes and phenotypes. And usually if you get two dihybrid crosses, a, a mother and a, and a father, the, 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 the phenotypes of the children will be expressed in a three plus one pattern where three of the children will have one phenotype and the fourth will have a different phenotype. So three of the children will have green eyes, but then the fourth one will have blue eyes. It goes through that pattern. So, okay, th there's another example of that three and then the fourth is different. And then I had my, and then I had my, and then, and then we, and then we watched a, a class in the bio uh, or a movie in the biology class on, on, on Watson and Crick, the discoverers of the, of the, um, of DNA. And, and, you know, the professor, you know, in, in the movie, they talked about how there's four bases. And it, what's interesting about DNA is that there's four bases, but, but then in RNA, there's also four bases, but the fourth one's different. So in DNA, the fourth fourth base is uracil. In RNA, the fourth base is is, uh, is thymine. So again, we have, we see that three plus one pattern where the fourth one is is uh, it, it 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 doesn't fit with the other three. And then I just kept on looking for this more and more, and then I saw it everywhere. So I can get I can get into really into you know great detail about this, and how I could talk about how this ends up becoming the 16 square quadrant model, the 16 quadrants in a four by four matrix. But I, I'd have to get into a lot of, a lot of, uh, I'd have to explain a lot of stuff to get into that. If, if you have time for that. Well, is the, I have the time for sure, but is this mostly, is this most of the stuff that's in your book? I don't want to give away stuff that's in your book that you're trying to get out there as well too. And kind of like, are you leading to all this somewhere towards the end of your book? Yeah, this is, this is, you're going to, you're going to find this in the first chapter of the book pretty much. So if you read the book, you'll get you'll get all that. What was that? Oh, it's. How long is the book? I think it's uh. Well, this this book that I wrote recently. See, I have I've written over the years many books, but this this recent book I wrote 
is is built around lectures that I gave in 2013. I I made the lectures in 2013 and then I stopped believing in the quadrant model interestingly in 2014 because I, I I was afraid that I was that it was too you know liberal and that was bad for a second but then I, I ended up believing it again. But in 2013 I made lectures and this book is is based around captions the the captions of those lectures. So I basically just uh made transcripts of the captions and I made those uh, made the lectures into into a book. So this first book that I have that that's on Tumblr that I described, quadramalofreality.tumblr.com, is based around the science lectures. But I haven't written the religion book yet. I mean, I have religion books already, but I'm gonna make one around the lectures that I gave in 2013. But I'm soon I'm gonna make one on religion and, and art and philosophy as well, based around those lectures, uh, around the transcripts of the of the. Um, of the transcripts, the or, or the cap, the, the captions from the transcripts of those lectures, or the, the transcripts from the captions. So right now, the, this book is just basically mainly focusing on science. So you, we're going to talk in this book. You're going to you're going to learn about how the quadrant model is related to physics, chemistry, the the four the four primary sciences according to Comte. If you look at the reductionist mo model of science, the four primary ones are physics, chemistry, biology. And uh, and psychology, so I focus on those in this book, and then the next book, which I'm planning to write at some point, uh, I'm gonna be focusing more on religion, and then so I'm gonna get into Christianity. But I already have books on that, but they're they're not gonna they're not they're not as good as this book that I'm about to make on it, based around those the the transcripts from those lectures. But also, if you want to get the other books on on religion and art and philosophy that I've made before. You can go to Merck Diesel Books on my on my uh, Facebook page, and I have books on all those topics as well. I'll definitely get the links to all that too. I can post on the show notes when this goes up too, so people can just access it and then kind of see what you're doing. And are these books available for purchase? Are they free downloads? How do you uh, how do you put them up? Um. Yeah, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to yeah. There, anybody can check this out. I have just go to my Tumblr, go to my Facebook, and all all the books are there. I have a Merck Diesel Books. Uh, group and then you can see all the all these books and then but what i want to say is uh i do want to get right now i'm trying to find an institution where i can teach it and i'm i'm also trying to find a an agent to help me get books published and and help me uh yeah just help me try to i i i'd prefer to get a traditional publisher and you know just get these books this yeah, just get yeah, get get physical copies, get them disseminated because I want this, you know, hopefully this idea can get get spread and uh and circulated. So. Right, exactly. This seems like a full-time gig for you. Is this basically your full-time or your biggest hobby or is this is this like how big a part of your life is are these books and creating these books right now? It's to to me, you know, it's it, it, I I heard Mark Mark Twain said that he never worked a day in his life. And that's the way I feel too because I, I, to be honest, like I'm not working. I'm just doing this for fun, but it's, it's work. Like it's, it's not really work. It's just like, I'm, I gain energy from doing this. It's just, right? yeah, I just, I just love it so much. It, I, I would be doing this. Someone, somebody could actually pay me. I, I mean, I mean, I would pay somebody maybe to do this. I mean, I don't have any money to pay him, but if some, yeah, I, that, that's how much I like doing this. Cause I just like studying all this. 
I like studying about reality. I want to understand existence deep at, at its deepest level. And I was always like that. So, so I'm just, I'm, I'm so fortunate and grateful that I have the, the opportunity to do this. So yeah, I, I, but I do it, I do it all day, every day, but, but also I do other stuff. So I play basketball. I made, you know, I, I made rap music. I want to get back into basketball and rap music. Um, you know, last summer I was playing with, with, uh, with Compton college. I played on their team. Um, I was going to play with them over the season this year, but I, I sprained my ankle. Um, the, the third week of practice, but yeah, but yeah. And then, and, and, you know, I just, you know, I, I do, I do other stuff, but yeah, I mainly just focus on this. This is, this is, but this is just fun for me. So, so yeah, but yeah, I do this all the time. And then, but yeah, I want to, I want to get, what, what I want to do is I want to find a place where I can teach this, like an institution where I can teach it. And then I want to get back into playing basketball and I want to get, I want to get back with, with hanging out with friends, going to parties and doing stuff like that. I do that stuff every once in a while, but this is what I do mainly, but I'm happy to do this mainly. So in 2012, when I graduated from college, I hadn't, I hadn't really, uh, I only started really um, advertising and promoting this theory in 20, actually on December 21st, 2012. That's when I first put the stuff on, on YouTube. And I'm, and it's kind of funny I say that, like, cause I tried to make it seem like a very eventful thing. Like December 21st, 2012 was supposed to be, you know, on on the Aztec calendar. That's when when things really. That's when the shift occurs. That's when the transformation occurs. And that's the way that I saw this theory. I saw this as a, a shift in consciousness, a paradigm, uh, a, par a paradigm shifting uh, theory that's that's going to really change the way that people view reality. And I think I think it's going to do that. But but yeah, I had but before 20 December 21st, 2012, I hadn't really started, exp you know, promoting it on a wide level. I only told people at UC, UC San Diego about it. Only my friends, my close friends, but in, in, some other people, but then in, at that point I started re really get, putting it out there. I showed my grandpa who I told you the, my grandpa who lived in, in Los Angeles, he was a doctor. He, he was a, um, what is it? He was a pediatrician. So I actually never really got the opportunity. I never got the chance to really show him, to be honest. Um, I I remember right when I graduated, and this is it was, it's kind of sad thinking about this right now, and I, I never really told people about it. But um, right when I graduated, I came back to Los Angeles, and my grandpa was dying, and uh, and he uh, he was in he was in the hospice, and you know he was he was in a lot of pain, and I went to see him, and I actually showed him a little bit. Um, I showed him like, uh, just a little bit of physics, like in the quadrant stuff, but I couldn't explain all this stuff to him and he was in the process of dying. So, um, so yeah. And then, and then, and then I was actually supposed to visit my other grandpa in Kauai at that same time. And, and I, and I sometimes wonder if I should have stayed in Los Angeles and been there for my grandpa, you know, 
but um but yeah so then my, my so I, I i went to Kauai to visit my uh to visit my grandpa and then my grandpa died uh my my uh my grandpa in los angeles he died when i was in Kauai, and then uh so i never really got the chance to show him and i think he would have liked it i think he really would have understood it and liked it but then uh my my other grandpa in Kauai, he didn't you know i i don't blame him he didn't he didn't understand it because he didn't think that you know that reality could possibly be all you know structured completely through throughout through this fourfold pattern um so it took a long you took it in a different direction that you didn't quite understand like you gave, you gave me the base points you gave me the basic ideas that inspired you to start looking deeper into it yeah do you think you went off in a different direction and maybe you kind of i i did yeah i did in 2013 but i showed him in 2010 and i was in a, just i was in a completely normal direction all i did was i just showed him the the basics and and he he told me he later told me that he was afraid that he thought i had schizophrenia in 2010 and that that's that's what that's what he thought the first time I showed him it. But then he realized that I didn't. But then he what he, this is what he told me he thought. He said that he thought that I was just trying to find a way to stay independent on my parents, and I didn't want to get a job. And he thought that I was just trying to use the quadrant model to stay independent. And so so after I graduated from college, then I ended up actually uh, living in Kauai with my grandpa. And again, he didn't, he didn't believe it, but my parents didn't want me to live there because they didn't believe it either. I showed them in, in 2010. And the first thing that I did was I showed my dad it in, in 2010. Um, and he came to visit me in school and we were, he was supposed to help me pack. So I showed him this stuff. And, and the first thing I told him was, I was like, Hey, hey dad, I discovered the theory of everything. And I was like, trust me, this, this, and I told, this is what I told him. I told him, this isn't schizophrenia. This isn't a delusion. I told him that. I said, but th this is like this is actually the theory of everything. And I remember my dad. You see, my dad. He, he's my dad. Kind of views reality kind of simplistically. He's not that deep of a thinker. So, and 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 I and I kind of always knew that about him. But I thought that he would be able to recognize this. But he he right off the bat he said, oh no, this is schizophrenia. And then he so that's what he thought. And then. Yeah, and then and then the same thing with my mom. So then he told my mom that I he thought I had schizophrenia. So it didn't work out with my family, uh, in for right off the bat. And so so then I'm quite surprised by the reaction, especially with your your grandfather. I'm kind of surprised by the reaction that from where they started to the where the level you took it. I think I'm kind of surprised that that's kind of a 180 from I guess what you expected to to get feedback from them. Right? It, it definitely it must have been difficult to hear that too on many levels yeah it was for sure but um but the thing was i already had a bad relationship with my mom and dad so i i should you know looking back at it looking at back 2020 i it, it makes sense to me they, they already were looking at me looking down at me and not they didn't look too highly upon me so they they were already prone and predisposed to want to to, to not really listen to it and understand it, I think. So. Has your relationship kind of improved since then? Now we're 10 years on, are things a little better with your parents and, and yourself? No, my dad hasn't talked to me since college. Um, I've, he has a, um, I've been trying to get, get in touch with him for like a long time. 
but he has me blocked on his phone. I can't get in contact with him. Um, and then my mom, she, you know, really since high school, we had a bad relationship. Um, and it's a long, that's a long story. It had to do with basketball, uh, with me, me, my dad and basketball, things didn't go well with it and led to a lot of problems with me and my dad. And then, and then my mom got involved in that. And, and, and basically we, we had a chaotic household and, and I actually, in, in the 11th grade, I lived with my friend. Like I was kicked out of my house. I lived with my friend in 11th and 12th grade. So, um, so like I said, I already had a difficult, strained relationship with them. So basketball was my life. I like growing up, all I did, I wore, you know, and one clothes and one shoes. I, everything I did was basketball. I was obsessed. I, I go home and I'm watching the and one mixtapes. Um, ever since I was a little, like five years old, that's all I wanted to do was play basketball. Um, and my dad, you know, and that was, my dad was the same way. My dad loved it too. My dad's getting me the and one stuff. You know, we, he, he would take me, every single day we would shoot baskets for hours a day. And, and I was lucky because, you know, my, my, my dad, he's a, he's a orthopedic surgeon. And so he had a lot of like free time. Like he would always set, set up his time to be able to, 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 you know, spend time with me. So, so every day when I get home from school, he's there. He set it up that way, and we would just play basketball. He would take me to places. We would go to we would go to gyms. He ended up then he ended up making a he ended up making a a, a half court basketball court in my house, and and that's like all we did. We would just sit, you know we would watch basketball games together, uh, watch the Lakers, and and I you know I love I love the Lakers. I love the I love and and all I thought about was basketball, and. Uh, and then, and my dad, you know, it was funny because he, he was into, he was into rap music. Like everything I did was kind of like the, the basketball culture. So my dad got super into rap music and basketball. So my dad would buy all these albums. We were listening to stuff like Ice Cube and the Lynch Mob and, you know, the Chronic, Dr. Dre and everything, everything I did. <clears throat> and, uh, and then, so then, then like my, then the fifth grade, um, I you know I I love to do basketball and I also rapped. I was rapping in the in the third grade because everything I did was was around basketball culture. That's that's. Yeah, I wrote I wrote rap music in the third grade. I remember I was. Do you know Brian McKnight? Yes. His son went to my school. I remember I would uh I would write rap music and I would rap them on the on the basketball court. And then, and then he would, and then Brian McKnight's son would call me Slim Shady. I still know Brian McKnight. He, he would be like, yeah, and, and I loved, and I loved Slim Shady. I loved Eminem. <coughs> I had, I, I would make, I would make mixtapes, but all, all the songs and all the mixtapes would just be Eminem. Was this when uh, he got big, when, they, when he released his first Yeah, that was when he was, when he was big. That was when he did the one, it's like a dream come true. And he would come to school and we would play basketball with him. Okay, well, 
Yeah, and, and I remember. I I still remember. He he's Brian McKnight's dad said it doesn't matter how how good you play. It matters how you look. That's such a dumb thing in my opinion, but that's what he said. And then when he would shoot, and then when he would shoot, he wouldn't even jump because he wanted to just look cool. Like he would just. But yeah, so. But yeah, so I, I just love. Yeah, but I'll I'll say this about Brian McKnight's dad. Uh, from what I hear, that guy, you know, that the ladies love that guy. And the same thing with Brian McKnight Jr. That guy was was the late the ladies' man. So, yeah, but uh, but so yeah, I was I was, I was you know everything. And Brian McKnight was a big big with the basketball. So, but you know, I was, I, I just, I just loved it. And, and I had some friends there and we did everything we did was, was basketball. And then like in the fifth grade, I ended up getting on this basketball team called ARC. And we were supposed to be like ARC. This was, you know, they have the different levels and this was like the number one team in Los Angeles. You know, ARC was, was, was looked at really highly. And then I got on this team, which is supposed to be the number one ARC team. It's because I played all the time. You know, that's what I did. And ever since I was, this is Los Angeles. This is Los Angeles. I went to UC San Diego for college, but, but yeah. So then I played on this ARC team, and then we went to we went to AU Nationals in Tennessee. We won the, the regionals championship. We went to AU Nationals. Nobody thought we were going to win the championship. We were all everybody on our team was 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 white. We had one we had one black guy who was Larry Drew, whose dad played in the NBA. Uh, his dad his, his dad was Larry Drew, played in the NBA. He averaged like 20 points a game. He, he he coaches in the NBA now. But we had Larry Drew on the team, and everyone else was 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 you know white guys. And but we were a really dang good teammate. And now looking back at it, we have uh, when I look at it, one of the dudes on the team played in the NFL. Actually, two two of the kids ended up playing in the NFL. One of them played played uh play, is still playing in, in Major League Baseball. Um, Larry Drew ended up playing professional basketball. Um, we had a. Uh, so we had a we had a pretty stacked team looking back at it, but but so so we 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 went to we went to Tennessee and well, this is when we were nine we went to Tennessee and then we won the national championship nobody expected that well, the AU national championship and that's all the all the all the teams throughout the whole United States go to that and then the and then but people thought it was just a fluke people were like no nah, this team can't be that like these guys they can't be that good like that must have just got lucky. And in a way, it was kind of a fluke. You know why? Because in 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 the in the in the pool play, we lost. We lost our first game in pool play to the Tennessee team. But then and then and then you know, but but somehow we got out of pool play. But we we were we were like in the in the it, 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 the way that they set it up is if you lose in pool play, you're you're going to be playing against the best teams from then on, and then it's going to be hard for you to get to the championship. But we ended up beating all the best teams, and we got the championship. We won. Then the next year, but people are thinking, okay, this must have been a fluke. How could they? How could this team have won the AU national championship? Then the next, and then and I remember we also had a kid on the team whose dad was was like the he ran Power One Hundred Six. He was like the the CEO of Power One Hundred Six. Uh, that's 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 the rap, the rap, uh, the rap station in in Los Angeles. That's where uh, big big boy. So we went on Big Boy's neighborhood, and we and we and we got to talk on Big Boy's neighborhood about how he won the national championship. I remember that. So so then. The next year, when we were ten, we went to AU Nationals again in Florida. Where was it? In yeah, in Florida. 
And again, this is all the teams throughout the whole United States. This is, this is the biggest basketball tournament. Then we got fourth place. So, but that was really big, getting fourth place. We got another medal. Um, then, then the, the then when we were eleven, we went again, but we didn't we didn't place, you know. And that, that's expected, you know, to, to place in the AU Nationals. That's a huge thing. But then after that, I ended up going. I changed teams. And I went to play with South Coast. South Coast. We had Brandon Jennings, who played in the NBA. He was the number one ranked basketball player in California, um, in in high school. Um, actually, he might have been number one ranked in, in in the nation. But we had him. He was our point guard. And then we had a bunch of other dudes. Uh, I don't know. Maybe some of them also played in the NBA. I don't know who else played in the NBA on that team. But uh, mo probably most of them played professional basketball. But we ended up going to nationals again. That and then we got fourth place in nationals. And then, and then the next year, this was thirteen. I played with Master P's basketball team. So. Uh, Mass, you know, Master P had the best basketball team in the country, and uh, <clears throat> he and and Lil Romeo was on our team. You know, Lil Romeo. I've heard that name. So so Romeo was a was was a rapper. He's he's not popular anymore, but at the time he was super popular. And uh, you know, it was it was Lil Bow Wow and Lil Romeo, and he's he's okay, yeah. he's he's he's, he's Master P's son, and so he was on the team, and uh, and and. Yeah, probably a lot of other dudes played in the NBA. Like DeMar DeRozan, who played on the Olympic team, he was on the team. Um, and, and actually, our team was called The Team, and we were on Nickelodeon. I had a, okay. I had a video of that, um, of, of, that of, the, of the episodes. I had videos. I don't know what – I think I, they're still probably at my, at, my parents, at my parents' house. They live in Texas now. But – yeah, if if I can get those, I have to ask my mom if she still has them. I think I did ask, and I think that she might have said that she did, but I don't know. I have to ask her again. But yeah, I tried to find I tried to find the episodes, and they're not up on. It, it, you can't find it at all. At one point, when I went on, when I would go on on online, I could find it, and I could see it said the team, and it had my name on it, and it had all that stuff, but it's not there anymore. Okay. It's been gone for a while, but. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, so I played on that team, but I only played with them for a tournament. And then they asked me to play with them in uh, in nationals, but I had a choice. This is crazy, and, and this this might have changed the whole trajectory of my life. You know, these little choices that you make. It's like the the quantum mechanics. The the how how you, there's a quantum fluctuation. There, there's two different universes that could be created. I chose to go down this one universe. Who knows? Maybe in another universe, I went down this this other way. Uh, but but I chose. I had a choice between playing with them in nationals or visiting my grandpa in Kauai. And I decided to visit my grandpa in Kauai. <clears throat> At the time, though, the reason why I know why I did it was because my shot was off. And I'm not. And if you look look through my Facebook, I'll explain why my shot got off. I have stuff about it, but it's because my dad got this device. Called a shootaway machine where you pick the ball off of a rack and shoot. And now looking back at it, I know what happened. If you pick a ball off your rack, you can't step into shots right. And and shooting is all about how you move into it. But my shot got messed up because I was practicing wrong. So at this point, I was shooting bad, and I didn't. And I and I stopped liking basketball. Actually, this is like you know, at age age of thirteen, I wasn't playing good anymore. Age, age thirteen, fourteen. This is going into into freshman year of high school. But. Stuff you've been doing, 
Yeah. For a lot of experience. Yeah. So so then I, w- I went to Kauai. So actually, this was the age of 14. So 14, I, I went to Kauai. And uh, and then I uh, and then I had my first philosophical conversation with my grandpa. And during that conversation, this is crazy. I asked my grandpa, "What is love?" My grandpa said, <clears throat> "Love, you know, in, in his opinion, it's the flow. So that's a big aspect of the quadrant model that I ended up making. I make the flow the fourth quadrant, and I can exp- I'd have to get into a lot of details. We we'd have to." Go really in depth to get get into all that, where I, I describe all the sixteen the sixteen quadrants of the quadrant model. <clears throat> but my but my dad told me, or my grandpa told me, that that he thought that love was the flow. So I asked, what what is the flow? And he says, well, it's non dual consciousness. You see, I've never been exposed to any of this stuff before. But now this is the first time I'm being exposed to this stuff. So I'm like, okay, well, what you know, what is non dual consciousness? And he's saying, well, this is when you know he's in the, and he gave me the example. He said, like Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan said that when he would play, he would lose himself. Yeah, but it's not just like playing basketball though. This non-dual consciousness you could have at any time. You just it's when you lose yourself, and and, and you transcend to, to like you know it, it's it's a transcendent mode of being, and that's what the that's what my grandpa said the flow was. So I was like, oh, you see, I'm being exposed to this stuff. I think that anybody hearing this would would be you know. Exhilarated, right? They, 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 yeah, that that's that's what he said. Love is is the flow, and that's that's a oneness consciousness. Okay. That that's that's pure that's pure oneness consciousness. Okay. So so I'm listening to this stuff, and I'm loving this stuff, and, and you know I've already had a philosophical bent. At this time, I was going to Harvard Westlake, which was it, you know I, it seems like I'm just bragging and bragging, but Harvard Westlake was like oh, the, hey, yeah. Yeah, so so at, at this time I was at Harvard Westlake. It's like the number one school in, in in maybe the United States. Like they say, it's harder to get into Harvard Westlake than it is to get into into like maybe any college. But but you know like Tom Hanks' son went there, uh, or you know like Denzel Washington's son was going while I was there. Tom Hanks' son was there. Denzel Washington's son was there. Uh, like you know, all, all these celebrity sons went there. Um, so. <clears throat> you know, I was already had a philosophical bent. I already had an intellectual bent. You know, I was going to this school too, so I'm already, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting rich, rich academic uh, teaching. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so but then my grandpa is, you know, he, he's he's introducing me to this idea, and then I remember this. This this is a weird thing. This is this is gonna really blow your mind. I was at. Um, I was, but before I went to Kauai, I was at a, a church or I was, I was in my neighborhood and in my neighborhood, like off of a street, off of one of the side streets, I lived on Rinaldi in Granada Hills. And then there's a, there's a side street Shoshone. And then on that street, there's a church. And I remember I was looking, I was standing outside the church. I don't know why, but I was looking up at the cross and I was thinking to myself, like, man, like I almost got in like to a trance. I'm like, I'm not making this up. Like I was really uh, enchanted by the cross. And I was thinking to myself, I think when I get older, I'm going to like, I'm going to maybe become religious or something. Like I was thinking that I might be, become a Christian or something. Cause that, like I said, I had never done anything religious my whole life. This is before this. So, so I was looking at the cross and then that happened. And then, and then when I went to Kauai, so I asked my grandpa, what is, what is love? He tells me it's the flow. 
And then, so then, then we continue to walk. We're, we, we walk, you know, he, he lived on, on, on Kauai, on the, on the island of Kauai and in Poipu. And in, and he lived on the spouting horn. My grand, my grandma had a bed and breakfast. She bought a bed and breakfast there. So I guess, you know, probably after my dad went to high school, they moved to Kauai, bought a bed and breakfast and they lived there. And uh, my grandpa was actually a minister, minister there too. So he, he would teach at a church. And uh, so, so now I'm walking with my grandpa and then, so I'm, I'm asking him more philosophical questions. And then my grandpa tells me about this, this, uh, this idea that there's four levels of consciousness and the first level is instinctual. The second level is like magical consciousness. The third level is rational consciousness. And the fourth level is trans, trans rational, transpersonal consciousness. And then I asked my grandpa, what do you think? Like, I can't make this up. I said, what do you think is the significance of? of the cross. Like, why is it such a powerful symbol? And my grandpa's like, yeah, I don't know. And then I asked my grandpa, this is in, this is in the ninth grade. Do you think that it might represent the four levels of consciousness? So I already at that point, yeah, already at that point, I was already onto it. Yeah. Did he have an answer for you, or you just Yeah, he, yeah, he, he said he, he said yeah, I thought of, he said yeah, I thought of that too. Wow, he never said anything, but so maybe it kind of woke something up in him, kind of something to realize as well. Something you don't like, something that kids, while you're a young, like teenager at that point, something that you see that maybe other people wouldn't see at yeah. uh, older advanced stages, right? Yeah. So and then and then I asked him, and then I asked him. Do you think that maybe the Latin cross, the reason why it looks like that is because maybe we're at the third level of consciousness, a rational consciousness, but if you get to the to the fourth level, that, that would be a, a just an uppercase T? And my grandpa's like, yeah, that's a really good idea. Yeah. You know? Wow. Yeah. Do, do you still have, I know you mentioned your parents and the strained relationship, do you have a relationship with the, your, your grandpa on the island right now still? Oh, yeah, yeah. We, well, I've been doing podcasts with them. I've been putting up uh, podcasts every day. Yeah, so so in, in high school, like I said, well, I ended up I, – I, I was the first person in my school's history to start at point guard at, as a freshman on varsity. Like everybody had very high expectations for me because even like, like I said, I, I won the AU National Championship, and I was considered by a lot of people the best player in the nation. Like I said, I, play, I played with, with Masterpiece Team, but before that you – know, but when I was playing with Masterpiece Team, I wasn't playing good. Like that, that was when my game was deteriorating because I told you my shot got messed up. My shot, my shot was – but at one point, I was considered by a lot of people the best, the best player in the nation, at least the best shooter. But then, but then when uh, but I was I was a starting point guard as a freshman on varsity. We won the CIF championship. Everybody had a lot of high hopes for me. I, but the thing was, at the time, I was not shooting. Like I was always known to be a shooter, but at that time, I only dribbled and I only got assists because I couldn't shoot anymore, and I didn't know how to fix my shot. The reason why is because my shot was always subconscious. But because I was picking the ball off of a rack, I was practicing wrong, and I didn't know how to fix it since I was always subconscious. You know, I and I think that that, that gave me the that gave me a, a lot of leverage. That gave me a that gave me an advantage being subconscious because that that's the flow. You you can't you can't do what is best. You cannot calculate it. You cannot do what is perfect. 
It has to come from something higher. And that's the way I always was. But then when I got, when I started shooting wrong, I didn't know how to fix it because I was always subconscious. I didn't know how to do it consciously. So I didn't know how to fix my shot. And then that's what the problems with me and my dad happened was because my dad didn't know it was a shootaway machine that was messing up my shot. So then we're trying to fix it, but he didn't know it was, what was the problem. So then, so then we're getting in arguments. We're getting in fights about my shot. And then this ended up, it ended up leading to a, a pretty disastrous consequences. And, and I don't, I don't want to get into, into the details with all that, but. So he was basically blaming you saying that your game was off because of something you weren't doing or what you were lacking. He, 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 he obviously thought there was something wrong with me, but he didn't know okay. it was, it was, it was the shoot away machine that messed it up. Does that ever come? Does, does he, is he aware of that now? Does that ever come? Well, so you, you I've never had the, the I've never had the chance to tell him. Because, like I said, he hasn't he hasn't talked to me. Right, right, okay. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Yeah. So, but yeah, so I was, I was a starting point guard as a freshman. And then my, my sophomore year, and this is when things really got bad with me and my dad, was my sophomore year, I was a starting point guard. We win the CIF championship. But then I remember the summer of my sophomore year, I sprained my ankle because I didn't tie my shoes. And and like I said, my shot was already messed up. And then, and then the coach in the – in the first game started a, a different a different player over me. And I remember my dad had a fit. My dad was so angry and he and he and he told you know he was gonna make me transfer schools. He was so pissed. And uh and my dad my oh and then, then my dad stopped going to the games. My dad was, you know, he he really wanted me to leave that school. And you know he, he was he was very frustrated about that. So then you know and but then things started really deteriorating between me and my dad. And that's when things started going out of control. Um, but I ended up getting the starting spot back. I ended up for the rest of the, you know, for the, for the rest of the, the next, you know, junior, senior year, I was, uh, I ended up starting, but, but like I said, my game deteriorated and then things got worse and worse. And like I said, I ended up getting kicked out of my house. My dad kicked me out of the house. I had to live with my friend. Things got worse. My shot got worse. I didn't know how to fix it. I need, I, I, cause like I said, I was always subconscious. I need my dad to fix it. So I tried to get my dad to fix it. He tried. Things, things spiraled out of control. Um, and then, and then it ended up leading to a, re- leading to a really strained relationship and a really, and then you know, and then my grandpa came in from Kauai to, to help out with the situation. And I en- ended up living with my friend, and I would go back and forth living with my friend, my friend of Fom, um, my friend of Fom. He was a rapper. So we would rap all the time, and that also helped me get get more better into rap music. And so I live with him, and I live with my with my uh, with my grandpa. And so my grandpa came came to uh, came to Los Angeles, and he tried to fix the situation. But we didn't at the time. We didn't know it was a shootaway machine that that was messing up my shot. So so things just just got worse and worse. And then and then you know the way I see it is you know my family, I became the black sheep. I became the marginalized member of the family, the the bad guy. So I know what it's like to be that. And, and, you know, my, my dad hated me, my mom, they thought that I had problems. They, they hate, they, they, they I ended up becoming the, the ostracized one, you know, the, the bad one that, that no that they don't like. And, uh, and, and they are, you know, they had a kind of an immature orientation, you know, uh, and what ended up happening was they, they misused my grandpa's, my grandpa's teaching. So my grandpa would say like, yeah, you know, if you're in the flow, you don't talk about the past, but you could always misuse spiritual teachings so so rather than you know so so then then they end up because because they already had to kind of disrespect for me now i wasn't allowed to speak to them i'm not allowed to talk about the past i'm not allowed to like 
and, and, and rather than, than approaching me with c compassion and trying to understand and trying to not label me as the bad guy, they, they developed a, an orientation toward me that, that I'm the problem, the, the, I'm the identified patient. I'm the, I'm the problem in the family. And, and then, so ever since then, it's just been a deteriorated relationship. Has your grandfather been able to kind of maybe make a bridge for that in here, maternal or paternal <clears throat> grandfather? Paternal. Okay. Has he been able to talk to your dad and kind of maybe make him see, like, he has a, like, he has a relationship with you. Has he been able to maybe yeah. talk to your dad and make a bridge? Well, the way that I see it was because my grandpa didn't believe the quadrant model either. Just think, put yourself in my grandpa's shoes. He thought that I just, you know, that I was a, that I was just using this to try to, to try to get my parents to take care of me. Just so that I can remain a dependent. He didn't have a very, he didn't he didn't have a very high perspective of me, and that's in in and and he, he that's what he even told my parents. That's what he told them. That I, and he thought and he told them that you know that they should try to get me to to get a job and to become independent. And and then and 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 but then you know what my grandpa tells me now is he just tells me yeah he says your your parents are immature they should you know your dad should talk to you and stuff. But you know my grandpa just says. Like I said, I don't think that he had a lot of respect and I don't think he put too much initiative into trying to get my dad to talk to me and my parents and trying to change their their way of uh of of approaching me and talking to me and stuff. But, you know, what what he says is he says that my dad's just immature. He, he, that's what he says. He says your he says you know your dad. Your dad's stubborn, he's immature and and and, and you know, as a psychologist, my grandpa uses this terminology and I'm just I just accept it, you know. But he says he says that you can't change people. You, you know, they got they have to ask the questions first. They have to want to change. You know? Yeah. yeah. So exactly. so that that's what he's saying. So there's nothing I can really do about it. And I just hope that at some point my dad will talk to me and I'd be able to explain to him what I feel happened. And I'll be able to, you know, and, and we'll be able to amend the relationship. I want to be able to see a psychologist and have them, you know, and have him me mediate between me and my mom and my dad so I can and have a relationship that's respectable where I'm able to, to voice my opinions. I'm able to, to speak to them and they're able to listen to me and, and try to try to look at me in a positive light. Yeah, for sure. I wish the best for you and your family. Hopefully you guys can work things out and hopefully, you know, new year, new, uh, a new uh, dialogue can happen or something can, can come from this for sure. One thing, last thing I want to ask you about the basketball before I move on to what you're doing now in the podcast you, uh, of course, you found out that it was the uh, shooter machine that was screwing things up. How did you come to that realization? How did you finally figure out that was screwing up your game? That's a really good question. So in uh, in college, I was, I think it was like it was my junior year. I was just looking through videos that I had, um, and I I posted videos up online of games I have, and I and I'd hopefully like to get more videos. So if anybody has videos of when I played basketball when I was younger. I would really appreciate if you can if you can contact me and try to help give me videos. Ryan Merkel, I played ARC number twenty five. I played with South Coast, uh, with Brandon Jennings and them. I played with P. Miller Ballers. If anybody has videos, hopefully get them to me. I actually know people do have videos because my friend's dad has videos and he said he's going to get them to me. Hopefully after the pandemic, I'm going to try to get back to him. And he and he apparently has a lot of videos. But, um, but so. Oh yeah, so I was looking at I was looking at these videos in college, and I just and I had a video of me shooting on the shootaway machine, and I was looking at the videos, and I was looking how I would step into my shots and how I moved into my shots before the shootaway machine, and I saw how I did afterwards, 
and it just was so abundantly clear to me that I was shooting wrong because I was picking the ball off of a rack, and you can't step into the shot correctly if you're picking the ball off of a rack. And 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 and, and what and what it happened? Uh, what was that? This is this is why this is why I think it, it it didn't. It's because at the same this is why I think and this is kind of complex. But at the same time when my dad got the shootaway machine, I started shooting higher. So you know before I shot lower, but then at the same exact time, and, and I don't know if this is like how this happened, but at the same exact time I started shooting higher. So I think that because I was shooting different, my dad already expected me to be shooting different because he wanted me to shoot higher. He didn't want me to be shooting from my chest. He wanted me shooting higher. So he was thinking, oh, well, maybe you're just shooting different because you're shooting higher. But he still wanted me to shoot sideways. So I think it was because of that. Because because he, I was already making a change to my shot that he already wanted me to make. And then and then he couldn't put two, two and two together. Yeah, he, couldn't put, he couldn't put two and two together. But, but the thing is, the, 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 yeah, the thing is, if I know, I know now. If you're gonna practice something, you have to pra- practice it naturally. But, but the thing, and and I know now that everything is about approach and, and doing it like the the right, you know. And it has to be subconscious, of course. Like you can't you you can't teach someone how to shoot good. You really can't. It has to be. If if you, someone's a really great shooter, it better be automatic. And and he better not even know what the frick he's doing, if he wants to be the best. But. When when I was uh, yeah, it, I think it's just because I was it, it coincided with me already shooting try, trying to shoot a little bit higher, and so he di- he didn't recognize. Yeah, it is it is kind of amazing. That's the thing. Yes, yes, that's a good question too. My my friend who ended up playing major league baseball, who I told you about with with, with ARC, he had a shootaway machine. And he was a great shooter. And I think that that's another reason. My dad was like, yeah, you know, Nick uses a shoot-away machine. And he's like, the, he's the best shooter. It's different Well, the thing, the interesting thing with Nick too is he, he ended up being a bad shooter also. Like he was, he was a really good shooter when we were younger. But I think, it, 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 I remember, because he, he went to my high school too. He played at my high school and he ended up not shooting well. And I and I and looking back at it, I think it's because he was practicing wrong. I think so. And and uh, it's like a it's a it's a rack and it's it, it, there's a huge net around your hoop and then it, you shoot it in and it should be really good. This is why my dad got it because he thought okay you're gonna get 500 shots a day if you're practicing on this thing because. You can get five balls at one time. You shoot each ball as you shoot them. They roll down the rack. You pick the ball off the rack and you shoot. So, and, and, but it wasn't just me and my friend Nick. My friend Billy had a shootaway machine. And it's all the rich kids. We're all rich kids. So our dads could all afford, afford a shootaway machine. And we all ended up having terrible shots. Right, there we go. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I th- I think the thing about basketball and everything is it's how much how much effort you put in. How m- the, the the best players like 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 you know Brandon Jennings. Why was he the best? The guy I was playing with. Is it because he was you know? It's because this dude was playing ball all day long every day up in Compton. 
And that's all he did. He, 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 he's, he's at Compton. He's going to the pickup to, to the courts every day. He's playing with the best players in Compton who also are going to the courts every day. All they're doing is playing basketball. Now, now, yeah, and, 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 but then there's people like, like me, me and Nick. Yeah, we, we, we were playing basketball all the time, but sadly we're practicing on the, on the shoot away machine, you know, but. Yeah, it was it was a really bizarre, terrible situation. Like, and, and the thing was, like I said, I was a starting point guard as a freshman. Starting only player in my school's history to do that. We wouldn't see a championship. But I remember, like, the coaches. My coach was like, "Yeah, like he was like, you're you're a unique situation, Ryan, because like I was a unique situation. I was doing incredible with everything, but my shot was terrible. You know, and 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 the, and the, and the thing was, it's that's obviously nothing to do with me because before that, I was considered the best shooter in the nation by a lot of people." I really do think, and I know if you're practicing wrong, you're going to be shooting wrong. And I was practicing picking the ball off a rack. Now, and like I said, the reason why my my I think my dad couldn't see it was because at the same time when I was when I started when he got the shooting machine, I started shooting different. Where I was I was picking I was shooting higher, and he was trying to get me to shoot over my head. So so that coincided. So I was shooting wrong, practicing wrong, and I was but but because I was shooting over my head, he couldn't. I, I think he just couldn't. He maybe thought that that was the reason why. Yeah, I want to get back into it, but this this is a so there's a couple things. Like I said, um, hopefully I'm gonna to try to get in touch with, with my uh, with my friend after the pandemic about the basketball DVDs. The thing is, I I'm just I, I I'm actually to be honest, I'm just afraid to ask people. Like, the, and this has been my problem for for since 2013. I'm afraid. I I I don't want to ask people. I I wanted to to get respect and, and get this stuff out first and, and get this stuff popular and then ask people for the DVDs. And, and that's been the way it's been this whole time. And I've wanted my dad to ask people, but you know, my dad's not talking to me, but, but I want to, you know, I want to get, get in touch with my friend. Who's uh, who, I know my friend has the basketball DVDs. I talked to his dad already when I was, cause when I told you when I was playing at Compton college this summer, I met, I saw his dad first when I went to a tournament in, in orange County and I ran into his dad. And again, this is like synchronicities. This is like, I think the universe was doing this. I think so. I don't, like, my the universe was putting this stuff together. Yeah, so so I ran into him at a tournament in, in Orange County. And you know what? I was too afraid to ask him. And I knew that he could have DVDs, but I was too afraid to ask. And also, interestingly, I played terrible that game. And he, saw, and he watched the game. And I, again, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed how I played. And I didn't want to ask him. So, um, it, that, that was like the worst game I ever played pretty much that game. And, uh, and, 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 and I was shooting wrong, but then it was only in the, at that point I was playing with the university of Los Angeles. That, that was a team in Compton, but, but then I ended up leaving that team and playing with Compton college. Cause I didn't like that team. And my friend on that team, he said, Hey Ryan, let's go to Compton college tryout and let's try to play with them. So we went to Compton college tryout and then the coach of Compton college was like, yeah, I want you to play with us. So I ended up playing with Compton college. 
But then when I was playing with Compton College, I went with my friend to the Drew League. It's a it's a tournament in, in Compton. And and then when I was at the Drew League, my friend was playing in the Drew League again. The first game I went there, my friend was playing in the game, and guess who was in the stands? My friend's dad. Again, so it's like everything's coming together. So but I was too afraid I was too afraid to ask, but you know what I I told myself, dude, just ask him. <clears throat> so I walked up the stands, I said hi to him, and I said, Hey, I'm not gonna say his name right now, but I said, Hey, you know, do you by the way, do you have any DVDs of when we played when we were younger? He said, Yeah, I have a ton of them. He said, I have I have like a I have so many DVDs of when of when you played. So then I said, Okay, I'll I'll try to get them. But then but then, so then I, I then I was continuing playing with Compton College. Then I I called him, but at the time I was doing stupid stuff online. I and, and to be honest, I think that this that, that my obsession over getting basketball DVDs makes me go. It made me go crazy in 2013. I think a little bit. Like I, I really think that I have an obsession, and it and it does make me go crazy, it, because I want it so bad, you know. So I was acting weird online and stuff, and then, and and I think that it was. I don't know. So then I then I tried to get in touch. I, I called my friend's dad, and he and he answered. But then I was I, I was acting weird, like I don't know. But then he told me, hey, he said, he said, hey, he's like, hey, Ryan, I gotta go. You know, I, I'm busy with something. So then, so then, and then he hung up. And then I tried to call him again, and he wasn't answering. And then I just got too afraid. I got too afraid to call him again, cause I'm too afraid of people saying no. You know, so, so. I haven't called him since, but then I, I called my friend, and my friend told me, hey, it was like, yeah, just call just call my dad, dude. He said, my dad has DVDs, but I was just too afraid. So so then then I, uh, but then the, the, then the pandemic hit, and then I told, and then I told myself, I told myself, I'm just going to wait until after the pandemic, and I'm going to try to get, res you see, I, what I want is I want respect. I want people to say, okay, you, you're not, this guy isn't crazy. This guy did something big, and I want want people to acknowledge that, and then I want to start asking people. You see, there's Larry Drew, but also during the pandemic, I did I messaged all my friends. I I got the, I mustered up the courage and I messaged a lot of my friends. I messaged Larry Drew, and I'm not going to say the names of other people, but I messaged a bunch of friends asking them if they had the DVDs. I know my my friend said that his dad has the DVDs, and I do want to get the DVDs. Study how I played when I was younger. Also, be able to sh to show people, you know, how good I was with this stuff. And sure, man. I hope you get your hands on them. I hope you can uh, yeah. get it figured out, get your hands on it, put up there, put some stuff up there, so we can check it out and have a look if you're willing to do that. Yeah. So and then and then I just yeah. So I do want to get back into basketball. And and the thing about basketball, why it's so important to me too, is and this is weird. You're gonna think this is weird, and a bunch of people think it's weird, but I can only write raps. If I'm playing serious basketball, because I can only write raps if I'm nervous. Now I noticed this. That makes sense. A lot of conditions have to come into play to make some good, you know, some good lyrics and some good flow. So I, I, I can, I can fully believe that. Yeah, I can't, I can't rhyme. Like rhymes don't go. Like, like you know, actually before our conversation, and I know this. I like when I went to my with my friend. My friend and I, we went to Kansas City, and and I got so nervous because we were so far away from from our house. So we actually went to West Virginia. And and I was and I wrote a bunch of raps with them on that tournament. And then we went to we went to Canada and I wrote a bunch of raps on that tournament because I was so nervous because we were so far away from home. And and you know, right before our, our talk, I got really nervous. I was really nervous like this whole day. And I was actually rhymes were coming to my head really well. Oh, 
Yeah, well, I, I got a little bit nervous. Like, I wasn't that nervous. Like, basketball would get me really nervous. I was just, I was nervous enough that I, I can recognize that I was able to rhyme pretty well. So I was, I was coming up, coming up with rhymes. And, and like, it's not that I, that I felt like super nervous, but I, I, I know if I'm nervous because I can write rhymes. And. Yeah, so I, you know, the thing is, I love basketball. I want to get back into basketball, and yeah, I'd, I'd love to get the DVDs. So, and also, I want to study how I played, how I moved, how I did all the stuff. That's, you know, that's so important for me. Hopefully, and then, and then, you know, and then also, it will help me to get back into basketball. When I was playing with Compton College, you see, the the first when I was playing with University of Los Angeles, my shot was not that good. Still, I was shooting bad. Then I went to play with Compton College, and I was studying the videos that I have very much in depth. I was studying them super in depth. And, and just at that time, my friend was driving me to practices, and while he would drive me to practices, I would study the DVDs that I had or th that I put up online. So I would study them, and, and then I started shooting good in the, at, the at the Compton College practices, and the coach was like, yeah, you can shoot. But at the same time, I remember like the first few practices, I was shooting really good, but then I started shooting not that good again. And I remember the coach was like, Yo, man, you, you, you got to start shooting better, man. What's, you know, what's going on? And I told him, I remember I told him, I was like, yo, my friend has DVDs. I'm going to start checking out the DVDs. I'm going to start shooting better. But then I kept on studying the DVDs more than I had. And I started shooting a lot better again in the content practices. And I, so, so, but it was going off and on. But I do think that if I had more DVDs to study, it would help a lot. But it's not just for that. I just want to study everything. Like I also coached basketball when I was, when I was at Kauai. And I see things from all that I've done. You see, I didn't know all this before. When I was younger, I was subconscious, and that's the way you got to be. If you want to be a good player, you got to be subconscious. I do not recommend anybody to look at how you shoot. Don't think about it. Just be subconscious. Be automatic. But now that I'm older, and I'm like 30, and I've, I'm already hurt and stuff, it doesn't hurt for me to do that. I have the quadrant model. I'm not Basketball is not the most important. It's important, but but so I study how, how people move. I, I, it's like dance to me. I'm studying everything. So I want to be able to, you know, if I can get the DVDs, that would help a lot for me to study, you know, st study all these, the, the details, the, the, the things that, you know, like Kobe Bryant did that. Kobe Bryant's st studying all the, the, the mechanics. He's getting, he's, he's looking at the minutia. And that's, you know, the, that's why I'm, I'm at that level where now I'm look, trying to find out, you know, I, I want to understand reality at its most basic level. And that's what I did with the quadrant model. But I want to do that with everything, you know. So this podcast is called, uh, <clears throat> it's just a Ryan Merkel podcast. And basically I've, I've only, I've only interviewed my grandpa and my friend, uh, Corbin, uh, Corbin listened to me talk on, uh, Grimerica. That was a, that was a big break for me when I got on Grimerica to, to talk about, uh, the quadrant model. It's, and, uh. And he and 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 Corbin liked it a lot, so Corbin gave me a call, and Corbin was like, "Hey, man, I want to I want to you know learn more about this." And, and and Corbin said he wants to come over to Los Angeles, and he he told me he wants to set up like a, a place where I can teach it. Like we'll we'll see what he wants to like. Cor Corbin's just out of college, and he wants to like set up a like a he he's very into to natural. He's very spiritual into naturalistic stuff. He wants to set up maybe like a, a farm, 
where you people can grow their own food and do all that. And he and he says he wants he he really loves a quadrant model. He he sees it, and and I'm so happy that he can see it. You know, so so you know I've I interviewed him, and then I also interviewed uh. And to, tonight I'm going to interview my friend Akash, who's a and I'm going to just talk. He went to UC San Diego with me. He's he he practiced Hinduism. He uh, he's a very spiritual guy, and and he's also makes movies and he uh, makes music. So I'm going to interview him tonight. So that's all I've done so far. But other other than that, I just talked to my I've been talking to my grandpa and all the all the le- lectures. And we've just been getting, you know, talking about transpersonal psychology, getting in 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 uh, in depth about, um, about you know, j- just just different d- different ideas like what th- what what is thinking, what is belief, what is emotions, what are all these things, and and we're really delving into this material, j- just 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 ideas of religion, spirituality, and looking at it through the transpersonal lens, the the lens of transpersonal psychology. Now there, there's four. According to Abraham Maslow, there's four main movements of psychology. The first one was psychoanalysis. Then came behaviorism, or then came humanism. Then came behaviorism. Now, the third is always action-oriented, behaviorism. And according to Abraham Maslow, transpersonal psychology is the fourth movement of psychology. Um, well, the, the podcast is based around the quadrant, uh, the quadrant model, right? That's what yep. the whole show is about, right? Well, 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 with with this one, since since I'm talking with my grandpa a lot, my grandpa's a you know he he's a transpersonal psychologist and he studied metapsychiatry. So so he's not an expert on, on the quadrant model because the quadrant model is mainly just studying everything and looking at how it how it fits this pattern. But with my grandpa, we're we're talk, we've been talking more about just understanding. Okay, what I, like for example, what I've been doing is is we we go through Facebook and we look at people's posts and someone says something like, you know, I hate when when uh, when uh. When women act like that, and then I asked my grandpa, okay, what what software is this guy using? It it seems to be self-confirmatory, you know. That this person right there, he he seems to be trying to. He, he believes that you know he, he's he's categorizing all women under one category. He's saying that all women are one way, all men are one way. He's not looking at people as 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 distinct individuals, and 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 uh, and, and he's not looking at the nuances of reality, but he's kind of looking at things through a black and white perspective, and. And it seems that he he he's 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 expressing dualistic consciousness. It, it could be predator prey if he wants to harm harm them, or it could be it could be attitude. You know, it could be action oriented impersonal consciousness, but it could also be attitudinal interpersonal consciousness if it's just an attitude that he's expressing. But regardless, it's self confirmatory. Now we know the flow is the transcendence of the self, and 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 when you're in the flow, when you're in the transpersonal consciousness, that's when abundance happens. That's that's when things go great. That's when you when, when you're when you're playing basketball on the flow. That's when you do things you can't even imagine, and and that's when the that's when the universe you know blesses blesses you. But it seems that this person is very caught up in this. But now we don't want to judge him, but we want to we're discerning. What, okay, what what orientation is this person in? So this is the type of stuff that me and my grandpa are doing. What we've been doing. Okay. What's the name of the podcast again? Um, it's called the Ryan Merkel podcast. Yeah, so so I set up a, a Instagram, I set up a Twitter, um, but all, all these are, are on links on my Facebook. I just set up a, a VK. If you if you go to VK, uh, that's like the Russian 
uh, Facebook and, and it's popular in Europe. So I set up one of those. And like the, the, the first day that I set that up, like I got so many more views than I got on Facebook. Like, like 500 people just looked at my first, uh, the first video that I put up. I don't know, but 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 all I know is when I post the stuff on Facebook and it says how many views I got, I get like maybe like twenty. But then when I posted something on on the VK, I got like five hundred views in like two days. That's crazy. Maybe because it's a smaller populace in certain areas too. A lot more people are looking at one spot. Yeah. Yeah. So. Thanks so much for having me on, Chad. I really enjoyed it, and let's keep in touch. Yeah, for sure. I'll definitely let you know when this goes up, and we'll keep going from there. And uh, I definitely want to talk to you again, Ryan. It's great. It's great speaking to you. Great meeting you, and also good, uh, good meeting you too, Maurice. For sure, I'll let her know. Thank you so much, Ryan. Have a good rest of your night. Enjoy your uh, podcast recording tonight too when you do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing one with a caution. I'm also planning to do one with my grandpa. So we're getting two more podcasts hopefully tonight. Like a lot of talking, so hope I didn't bore you out. Yeah. <laughs> no, dude, I got so much energy. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. Take care, Ryan. All right, bro. Talk See you, man. Later. Peace.